Well, hello and welcome to the Catherine Plano podcast, where we share tips, tricks, tools, and strategies that you can implement in your life for massive improvements. Every week, we have change instigators, compelling creators, and interesting humans who are breaking the cycle of convention and redefining success one mission at a time. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of practical goodness. we have another super amazing guest for you, Christine Hassler, who is the best-selling author of three books. Most recently, Expectation Hangover, Free Yourself from Your Past, Change Your Present and Get What You Really Want. Christine left a successful job as a Hollywood agent to pursue a life that she could be passionate about. For over a decade as a keynote speaker, a retreat facilitator, a spiritual psychologist and life coach and the host of a top-rated podcast, Over It and On With It. She has been teaching and inspiring people around the world. Christine believes once we get out of our own way, we can show up to make the meaningful impact we are here to make. It's now time to tune into Christine. Enjoy. Well, I am super excited today. We have Christine Hassler. Welcome to the Radical Shift Summit. Thank you so much. So, Christine, as we always love to start the summit, we always love to start with our unique story. Life in itself is a unique story. So, Christine, talk us through your story. How is it that you got to where you are today? Well, that would really take the whole hour if I was going to go deep into that, but I'll I'll give you the highlights. Um, So, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to being someone that was like looking outside of herself for fulfillment. You know, I I was teased and bullied a lot as a kid. I was a late bloomer. I didn't really fit in. I had a lot of challenging things happen to me, being diagnosed with depression at 11, some abuse, things like that. And so I decided at a very young age that, well, something must be wrong with me. And that the only way that I was going to be a value in the world is if I achieve things. I was like, well, if I don't fit in, nobody likes me. If I'm a little bit different, a little bit broken, then, because basically I felt not enough on some some level, then I'm the smartest girl in class and I'm just going to achieve things and I'm just going to do. So I basically stopped being a human being and started becoming a human doing very early in my, in my life. And I, I, got all my value and worth from doing things and achieving. And I felt like if I didn't do things, then I didn't, I didn't matter. And that's also how I suppressed a lot of my feelings. You know, any of us that go through difficult things in our childhood, adolescence, at any time in our life, if we don't have the tools to really feel our, come up with coping strategies and those coping strategies can be food, which turns into an eating disorder, drugs or alcohol, which turns into an addiction, um, people pleasing or overdoing. There's, a, there's myriad ways that we suppress. My, my brand of choice was to just go into my head and do, 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 do. And that particular strategy is rewarded by our culture a lot. You know, it's, re- oh, you achieve this. Oh, you top of the class this. Oh, great. 
no one really stopped to ask me how I was feeling about any of it. No one really knew that while I was getting into the best college and moving out to Hollywood and being the youngest female agent ever and making six figures by the time I was 23, no one ever knew that I was still on antidepressants, that inside myself I had so much anxiety, that I was incredibly hard on myself. My inner critic was super, super fierce. And enough never felt like enough. Like I'd achieved one thing and then it was like, what's next, what's next, what's next? And on the outside, I, was, I did a really good job of wearing a mask and, and seemed like I had it all together in the outside world. But on the inside, um, like I said, very stressed out, depressed, hard on myself, so on and so forth. And that showed up in my external life as well. Though I was successful in my career, I would attract not so healthy relationships. I had different physical symptoms. And finally, it reached a point where I just kind of couldn't take it anymore. And I'd started to work with a coach, which was very different from all the psychologists and psychiatrists I had seen since I was 11. And I started to get into spirituality and all those kinds of things. And I just knew I needed to make a change. So I decided to leave my incredible job that I worked so hard for that so many people would have killed to have the job that I had. And I just quit. And I didn't, I kind of floated around for a while, but in addition to quitting, I was engaged and was broken up with by my fiance six months before my wedding. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder on top of all the other stuff. I was estranged from my family and I was in tons of debt. So I really hit a rock bottom at 25, 26 and um, had the awareness that the common denominator in all the circumstances was me. And that was a turning point for me because both in my own work and working with a coach, I realized, well, if I can create all of this, then I can create something different. And maybe all of this was here to teach me something. And so I became consumed with personal growth and development, like anything I could get my hands on workshops, books, seminars, coaches, eventually getting spiritual psychology. Like I just devoured it. And it was my way through. It was my way through. It was how I learned to deal with the feelings I had suppressed for years, deal with the physical symptoms, find a softer voice inside myself so I didn't have to be critical, learn that my worth wasn't dependent on, on what I could achieve. So many things came mm. from that. And that eventually led to my career, which is a coach and a spiritual psychologist and a facilitator and a speaker and a podcast host and everything else that I do. I feel like um, it, it's, it's kind of like when you eat at a really good restaurant and you tell, want to tell all your friends or you see a great movie and you want to tell everybody about it. That's how it's been for me. I think back to my, you know, 20-something self and go, wow, look at my life today. I never thought I could feel this way inside and have what I have in the external world. Like, it's beyond my wildest dreams. And that's what motivates me and inspires me to do what I do. Wow. Um, I just I think you're very courageous. And there's a few, uh, I guess, questions that come to mind right now is, one, how did you work through and work with your inner critic being mm. so fierce like you say what was your little trips or yeah tips, i should say well it's still there it's still she still she still pipes up every now and then um but i i have more of a friendship with her mm. the biggest thing about working with my inner critic is I learned being critical of the inner critic doesn't work. Like when the inner critic comes up going oh no there's my inner critic again like judging our inner critic doesn't work. So what I, what I found is that, you know, she, she has a good side and she, her, her motives are good. She's there to protect me. She's there because she thinks that if I'm hard on myself, that will keep me motivated. That will keep me being better. 
And so I've had to have many conversations with my inner critic. And this is a process that I teach where I literally will set up two chairs and Christine will sit in one chair and Christine's inner critic, I've given her a name, sits in the other chair. And I literally move from chair to chair and have a conversation between myself and my inner critic. And I've, I've, I've given her a new job description and a promotion because it's hard to kill off parts of us. It's hard to have them just go away. So I've, I've, I've transformed her. I've promoted her to become more of a coach. And so she's allowed to give me feedback and I'm allowed to have conversations with her, but we just do it with a lot less, do it with a lot less judgment. So I can give you an example. Um, I've been a speaker for about 11 years and I would speak and then I would get off the stage and my inner critic would be like, da, 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 da. I mean, she would just like have a field day with me. And you would have thought according to my inner critic that I gave the worst speech ever in the history of speeches of the world. And then my assistant would call me and she'd be like, they loved you. And I'd be like, Ugh. so like it started to make, make it clear to me that what my inner critic was telling me and the feedback I was getting from the outside world were two different things. And so I realized that, that she comes up because she really cares about helping people and she really cares about speaking. And there's a part of me that wants to give myself feedback, but I've learned how to sit down and do that neutrally and go, okay, here's everything I did that I loved. Here's the opportunity for growing. And, and that's how a coach works with us too. So, so it's just like slowing it down and making her more of a coach. Oh, I love that. And I love the fact you've created some sort of boundaries of things that you can and can't do as part of your relationship. That's fantastic. So the other thing that I had in mind too, and for our viewers, what does spiritual psychology offer? Just so that we know, you know, if, if we want to reach out to you, what are we expecting out yeah. of sessions? Well, so I went to a place called the University of Santa Monica in California, and they are the only place in the world, as far as I know, that offers a master's degree in spiritual psychology. And actually now they don't even offer the master's degree anymore. It's just a certification program. But what the way they, they teach it is they put the soul back into psychology. So over time, the art of psychology had become very mental, become very label-based, be very, this is what happened to you, and this is why you are the way you are, and you have this label, and like, you know, and it didn't have any spirituality to it. And spiritual psychology looks at, at human beings as spiritual beings having a human experience, and that everything that's happened in our life we chose on a soul level to learn from, grow and expand. So every challenging thing is for our growth and evolution. That's the spiritual part. The psychology part of it also helps us understand like our brain and go, okay, well, if you had an alcoholic parent, then that the part of your brain as a child that needed to feel safe didn't really get that. And so you're probably going to be less trusting of people. Let's work with that. So the psychology part helps us understand like how our past impacts our present and our future until we heal our past. And the spiritual part helps us see it from a higher altitude so we don't get stuck in victim mode. It's a way to look at our issues and our past without the lens of a victim, but more from the lens of a seeker and go, every human being has all the resources they need to heal anything. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm thinking from a spiritual psychology, it really makes you more accountable rather than blaming parents, relationships, totally. whatever that may be. It's like you chose this soul experience yep. and there's lessons in it. 
Yes. And also tremendous compassion. You know, like I, I've been coaching people for 14 years now and people have been through, people have been to hell and back in their lives. And it's like, wow, your soul chose a very advanced curriculum. And so you don't spiritual bypass that. You don't go, oh, well you chose it. And what are the lessons? We look at the pain and this is so much of what I teach in my programs. You know, one of the things that I love teaching because I think it's something that's skipped over a lot in the personal development world is how to release our emotions, like how to feel our feelings and not get lost in them because we can't just meditate or analyze our way to healing. You know, we have to sometimes feel the old feelings, release them from our body so that we can then also release the belief systems and the meaning that went with them when we first felt them. So it's really looking at, at, at us as, as holistic beings and being like, all right, we have emotions, we have a mind, we have a body, and we have a soul. How do we work with all of that to really evolve? Right. How do you help someone like open that up? Because I know that there's, when you're talking about spiritual bypass, some people are just, and I'm, I'm going to put my hand up, including myself, I'll make excuses for people or for things that occur as mm-hmm. a way to, um, oh, spiritual bypass, not have to deal with the emotion, not have to deal with whatever's really sitting in front of me. Yeah, no, it's convenient to see the silver lining in something sometimes, you know, like if, if someone does something and like we know we need to set a boundary or speak our truth to them and it could be a confronting conversation, it's easier to go, well, they're doing the best they can and, you know, they had a father that was tough on them. So I'm more evolved. I'm going to take the high road. I'm just going to let it go. Or, you know, something from our past, like maybe a breakup that we never healed or something that happened with our parents or whatever it may be. Again, we can go to that. I'm just going to meditate and see the blessings and jump to forgiveness right away. So it's very, very, very common because it's messy and yucky sometimes to feel the feelings and to speak our truth and to upset other people. But sometimes it's in the messy and the yucky that we find the freedom, you know? So how we go into that is with tremendous courage and with um, like letting go of the attachment that it's going to be easy or that it's going to be okay with other people. You know, when I've gone into some of my shadow, like my dark side, my wounds, I've kind of known, okay, well, this probably isn't going to be super fun, (laughs) but I'm going to get it free. You know, I don't, I don't, I didn't love going back and feeling some of my deepest pain and crying and yelling and screaming, and, but it got it out of my body. And, and the, the thing about releasing the feelings is you don't have to relive the experience. And I think a lot of people are misinformed about what emotional release work is. It's like, you know, when I was releasing my feelings around abuse, I didn't have to go back and remember the scene. I didn't have to take myself back to the situation. I just gave myself permission to access the fear and the shame and the feelings and just feel them so they could move out. While at the same time, there was a part of me that was holding a loving space of compassion because there's a part of us that feels the feelings, but then there's our higher self that just holds this place of compassion and unconditional love. And it's like, it's okay, sweetheart, let it out. You're okay, you're safe. And we do it when we're in a safe place. And honestly, I wouldn't have been able to do it had I not had the right coaches and teachers and guides. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we live in an interdependent world. There's a lot of personal development we can do personally. (laughs) And then there's some things that require guides. And that's one of the reasons I designed my course to teach people how to do emotional release work so that they had a bit of a guide. And I think it's very useful when you're face-to-face with someone that can help you with that aspect of it. 
Yeah. So what are you saying? You're actually saying, Christine, you don't necessarily go back to that time. You're actually right. bringing the emotion right now. So mm -hmm. for you to actually experience those in a safe environment right. uh, and, and release them in your present time, in that present moment. Right. Right. Hmm. right. Exactly. Okay. Now you talked exactly. about the shadow. I'm curious about the shadow because everyone has different um, ways to explain the shadow. How would you explain the shower, shadow and how would we integrate the shadow? I would explain, just like it's hard for me to see my own shadow if the sun's in front of me, right? Like if the sun's behind me, it's easy. But if, if it's in front of me and my shadow's behind me, it's hard for me to see it. So the shadow things are the things that are hard for us to see sometimes. You know, the parts of ourselves that we don't want to look at, either because they're painful or because we don't really like them. You know, like um, for me, so much of my life, I was impatient and irritable and judgmental of myself, but also of other people. And so that was part of my shadow. You know, it was a hard thing for me to look at because it was like, Ooh, I've been, I've been yucky at times to myself and to others. And then there's the shadow that I didn't want to look at that was like, Ooh, there's some pain back there that like, it's in my past and I don't want to look at it. And I'm just going to like, hope it's back there. And it's, it's the parts of ourselves or our past that we judge and that feel scary and that we don't want to confront. However, just like our shadow, they follow us around. And it's really hard to get rid of them unless we turn around and look at it and deal with it. So the way that one would know what their shadow is, is as soon as we start pointing the finger at something and judging it, we know that's our shadow speaking. And that's exactly what we need to lean into. Yes. So that's projection, right? So yeah. if I point my finger at you and I'm like, you didn't show up on time, you don't have integrity, I can't trust you, like what's wrong with you? If it's, if it's creating a charge in me, cause there's discernment, you know, like if, if every time we had lunch, you were late, I might after a while be like, you know, this is not a friendship that's working for me. That's different than that about it. So if I'm getting super upset and charged about it, that means I spotted, I got it. So either I'm that way towards others or I'm that way to myself. You know, where am I not in integrity with myself? Where am I not my word with myself? So projection works in terms of behavior and, and it's an exact mirror, like what someone's doing to us, we do to other people, or we do it to ourselves. Right. It's very similar to, I remember uh, once um, having a conversation, I think it might have been even Dr. Bruce Lipton, where basically we project our perception and projection. So whatever we perceive as our reality, we project into our environment. Totally. And if we're not happy with our environment, then all we need to do is an inside job. We go inside and change that, the way that we, the meaning we give it, the way that we see it. What are your thoughts exactly. around that? Exactly. Well, so, and I love that the spiritual definition of a miracle is a change in perception because we're all influenced by our own lens, you know, and our own experiences. And me and my friend could both go to a party. And if she grew up in a family where no one could trust anybody, and I grew up in a family where there was a lot of trust then I'm going to be having an easier time opening up to people, making friends, thinking the good in people. But she's probably going to go into the party and be like, oh, that person was weird or I got bad energy or like I didn't feel like sharing my story with that person. And we could be the same exact party. But it's all how, how – and our perception is influenced by our own experiences and things that have happened to us and our model of the world. And our model of the world is formed by what happens to us and what we make it mean. You know, two, the exact same thing can happen to two different people, but they can make it mean different things. And then that's going to influence their model of the world and how they see things, right? And so how we, how our perception then becomes our projection. 
because then we project based on what we're seeing versus what actually may be true. Yeah. So what would be some of the things that would help us change our perception? Because change is one of the things that I think that from my work and uh, from my understanding, the brain resists change. Yeah. So how do we work in changing our perceptions? Yeah. The brain resists change, especially anything that's tied to our survival or our perceived survival. And our ego is really invested in our survival. So if as a kid, like, so for was tied to achieving things. So it was very, very hard to let go of my career and achieving things and like focus on me and my inner work and let the outside world kind of crumble. That was a hard change because it was so wired to know this is what gives me meaning. This is what keeps me safe. So a big part, before we change anything outside of us, we have to change the inside and not change from the place that we're more more broken or anything's wrong with us because nothing's wrong with any of us. None of us are broken. We're whole and complete. We're totally, totally enough. We have to uh, basically change our relationship with ourselves. So instead of the word change, I really like to use the word heal, heal and update. So also in my degree program, we learned that healing is the application of love to the places inside that hurt. So we have to be willing to go into the shadow, go into those places that have hurt in the past and apply love and compassion and forgiveness. And sometimes it's to let ourselves feel it for the first time. So that's, that's a big part. We, we heal it. I like to say heal. Um, I like to say feel, deal, and heal. So first we feel it, right? Then we deal with it. We're like, all right, what do I want to do with this feeling? How do I want to get help with it? Like I, I'm willing to look at my shadow. Like I, I feel it. I'm not... I'm not hiding it anymore. I'm ready to deal with it. And then finally you get to the healing part, which is what I was just talking about in terms of healing is the application of love into the places inside that misunderstanding, forgiving other people. And once we do that kind of healing work, then it's so much easier to create those internal changes because our belief system changes. You know, like I no longer have this urge to go and achieve and achieve and achieve because I know my worth and value doesn't come from that. And I also know my happiness and fulfillment doesn't come from that. But that wasn't because I tried it and tried it and tried it and it didn't work. I tried it a little bit. It's because I learned how to heal the inner blocks inside myself so that I could see my life more clearly. So change is one of those things, change, transformation, whatever word we want to use, um, it's, it's hard to do unless we do the deep inner work that helps us update our beliefs and our programming about our model of the world up until now. It's a complicated question to answer. I hope I'm making some oh, bit of sense. I love it. I love, the, I love the, the fact that you change it from change to heal. There's not, I find that when you say it's healing, it's, there's less resistance. Whereas yeah. change, it's, it's a little bit more frightening. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I was on a, I was coaching people last night on a virtual program and, um, a woman was talking about how she, uh, she basically does everything on her own and, um, she's having trouble moving forward in her career and she really wants to change her career and she wants to become more confident and she wants to become more successful. And what the coaching got to is she is, she doesn't ask for help. She doesn't hire people. She doesn't ask for help. She does it all on her own. And I talked to her a bit, asked her a bunch of questions, and turned out she grew up with alcoholic parents. Both her parents were alcoholic. And so she was on her own, basically, her whole life from when she was a kid. And so at a very young age, she decided that 
I, I have to take care of myself. Like can't trust other people. Other people will let me down. And so I'm on my own. I got to do it on my own. That was like a belief system she made as a kid that kept her life, right? She had to fight for herself. So here she is trying to change her career and her work structure. But until she changes that belief, she's not going to be able to change that because it's too wired to her survival. So the work I did with her last night was about healing and updating that belief that she's all on her own, you know, and, and that's, that's where the real transformation truly begins is when we go back and look at the programming that got put into place and that's how we heal. And then that's how change becomes so much easier in our external world. And we do that so often, don't we? We actually seek external for the change and the transformation when really it's an inside job. Totally. Always. Always. Yeah. The other thing you talked about, Christine, was ego. And I know with the spiritual psychology side of things, you work with the soul. So how Mm -hmm. does one differentiate between the ego and the soul? Oh, you can feel the difference (laughs) for sure. The ego is very attached to control. And the way the ego does not like change really very much at all. So the ego is like, what keeps me safe? What keeps me secure? What keeps me in control? And what keeps me like validated? You know, ego is like fighting for those things. The soul is like, what's going to help me grow? What's going to help me evolve? What's going to help me feel more love and more fulfillment? And so the soul will be like, ooh, a divorce would help that. Or getting cancer might help that. And the ego's like, no, we are not doing those types of things. That's terrible. No, that is not what I want. The ego's very attached to what it wants. And the ego thinks it knows everything. And the soul is the one that really knows. So when we feel ourselves attached to something, when we feel ourselves in the midst of an expectation hangover, that was the title of my last book, is because so many people they don't come to me as a coach when everything's going great. They come to me when life throws them a curveball of some kind or things don't go according to plan and their ego's like, ah, I've got to fix this. And so when we're in that sense of panic, when we're in that sense of fighting and gripping for control and we're blaming other people or blaming ourselves, we're blaming the president or we're blaming the government or whatever, that's ego. But when we're in a place of acceptance, when we're in a place of curiosity, when we're in a place of wonderment, when we're in a place of deep compassion, that's the soul. So it sounds like the soul has a softer approach and the ego is a little bit more uh, totally. out there. Yeah. So yeah. from an energy perspective, when you're saying you can feel it, it, there's just a lot more softness around the soul. Yes. The ego judges. Yeah. The soul doesn't. The ego also will, you know, your ego will also get very happy like when you win an award or like when you get picked for something or someone tells you you did a good job, you know? And, and so the, that's the ego too. The soul receives the good and feels gratitude and appreciation, but doesn't like puff up about it. So whenever we're feeling better than or less than, that's the ego. Whenever we're feeling enlivened and aligned and connected and fully self-expressed, that's ego and the soul working together. Right. So Christine, for our viewers and listeners, uh, when they uh, come to yourself, right, and you, like I said, people come to you when there's something going wrong, what exactly (laughs) do you start with? Do you start with what's gone on in their past? Is it the limiting beliefs of the shadow? What, what, where do you start from? Well, I work pretty intuitively with people. So it's always different. You know, it's always different and people learn in different ways. So where I start is I ask a lot of questions. 
ask a lot of questions and I, I put on my human detective hat and I'm not looking for the problem, right? I'm never looking for the problem. I'm more looking at how do we connect dots and how do we really see that this thing, whatever it is, is truly happening for you. You know, why, why is this really happening for you? Not like, why is it happening in terms of how did you cause this? But why is it happening? Because it's teaching you some things about your soul lessons. And so a question that I ask my clients right off the bat is, all right, what are you learning from this? Like, what, what do you think you're learning from this? And so that's where we start. We start with a huge level of curiosity and acceptance. You know, one thing I've also learned is the first law of spirituality is acceptance. And acceptance doesn't mean resignation. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm just going to like roll over and accept that my life isn't what I wanted. Acceptance is, all right, this isn't my preference. However, I'm going to stop fighting with reality. I mean, Byron Katie, who I'm sure you know, one of my favorite quotes is from her. She says, when you fight with reality, you only lose 100% of the time. That's That's true. So when we accept something, like I recently have had a physical thing, a neck and back thing. I was, I was not in acceptance. I was in, this needs to be better. Like, what's going on? How do I fix it? What osteopath and chiropractor, like who can, you know? And finally I was like, all right, like, let me put my coach hat on. And I was in a meditation and I was talking to my coach and I was like, wow, I'm really not in acceptance. I want this to be different. My ego really thinks that this needs to be different and therefore it's not shifting. And so once I was in, all right, I accept it. I'm going to stop trying to solve it. I accept it. Then it started to shift. So that's an important step. And so for, for people that are doing work, if you're working with a coach or somebody and they immediately go into fix it mode, I would say just be a little cautious of that because you want to be in curiosity mode, connect the dots mode and acceptance mode first, because as soon as you go into fix it mode, you reinforce the misunderstanding that something's wrong. And as long as you're in something's wrong, your ego is going to be in panic mode. It's going to be gripping more tightly to control and your opportunity for growth and healing is going to be a little postponed. Well, that's really uh, resonating with me, Christine, because I too have had a neck uh, situation and definitely not in the uh, acceptance um, energy, but I did look up the uh, metaphysical body, which then tells you, you know, where does your pain come from? So from an emotional level, there's certain emotions that get stored in our body. Sure. Yep. So what are your thoughts around now, people that find the root cause of their problem? Because I think that I do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure our viewers do too. Yeah. Wait, I didn't hear the first part of the question. What? So, so what do you think about, so it's, I'm not in acceptance because I'm seeking right find the root right. cause of the, of the problem. Right. Well, you could still be in acceptance and looking mm-hmm. and be curious about what, what, what the problem is here to teach you. Yeah. So that's a different, that's a different way in. Right. Cause I believe in that too, right? Like of course the next stuff of the metaphysical stuff and it's about heart and mind. It's about stubbornness and it's about surrender and it's about all those things. Um, so it's looking at, all right, well, what, what is this teaching me? Like in this moment, like where is my opportunity to learn and grow? And often that, that question is the doorway into the root cause, you know, like being curious, what is, what's coming up to heal? And what I've also learned too, is that the physical body is the densest. I've done a lot of emotional and spiritual, psychological, metaphysical release work, a lot of energetic work. And I think now my body is starting to release a lot of it. And I'm, it's like coming out physically. 
And so a lot of times when we have an ailment in our body, we go into panic mode and we think something's wrong. Sometimes it could just be energy that we're clearing, that we're moving, that maybe belongs to us and maybe doesn't. But again, if we're in panic mode, if we're in fix-it mode, we can't be open to that kind of curiosity. Mm, that's so true. So basically, somebody goes through a, a healing, you're, what you're saying is you're removing layers, hence you mm-hmm. could end up maybe feeling a little bit worse initially. So then yep. you just keep removing those layers. Is that correct? Yep, you keep, yep, you keep removing the layers. You keep... I like to think of it as like, you know, when, when it kindly gets to the feeling level of the body, it's like making its way out. <laughs> you know, if something was really something we've been holding for a while, like as it's like moving, it's, it's, it's moving out. Now, that I'm, that I'm not saying you bypass going and getting checked out by a doctor and all of those kinds of things. I, I have a feeling your, your viewers and listeners are very thorough. And when they look at things, including yourself and so am I. But there comes a point where um, we have to trust our body's innate wisdom and innate ability to heal itself. So true. Absolutely true. So how does one overcome an obstacle from, you know, what's standing between where they are today and where they want to be? Like, how does one work through that? Because quite often you'll hear, this is where I am today, but this is where I want to be. Yeah. How do you bridge the gap? Yeah. I love that you're asking that because that's like when people go to my website, that's their free gift is is a process that takes them exactly through that. Um, So really when you're looking at, okay, here's where I am now and here's where I want to be. The, it's not like what action steps do I need to take to get there? It's what roadblocks are in the way because action steps are easily revealed and easily come to us when there are no roadblocks or obstacles. You know, so it's just like if I was driving in my car, you know, I, I live 30 minutes from the, from the downtown. So if I got on the freeway, I can't see downtown, but if there's no obstacles on the freeway, I'm going to make it there. Even though I can't exactly see it, I don't know exactly how the road goes. But if there's like car accidents and obstacles and construction, ah, I'm not going to be able to get there. I'm going to feel very, very stuck. And so people feel stuck because there's limiting beliefs, there's old emotions, there's fears, there's logistical things, there's things, there's roadblocks basically. So we look at, all right, if I'm here and I want to be here, what's preventing me from doing that? What are the roadblocks are in the way? Is it, is it fear? Um, is it that, you know, I feel like I can't do it? Is it that like, I really am not prioritizing it? Like what is in my way? And when you ask those questions and start dealing with the obstacles, then the action steps towards what you want becomes so much easier to see and take. Gotcha. So Christine, do you think that people um, uh, initially understand straight away what the obstacle is? Because I know for myself and I also myself have clients where I coach that sometimes they cannot see the obstacle or don't really like, it's like, it's almost like in denial. I don't have an obstacle. Just something keeps getting in the way. It's not me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then they may not be ready to see the obstacle. Yeah. So they may need to be stuck and be frustrated and keep hitting the same wall over and over and over again until they're finally ready to see the obstacle that's in the way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, looking at your life, you've had a quite, I think, adventurous life and started very <laughs> young and very successful. And I, in the, um, as part of um, our uh, tribe, we do have a lot of women and very young women uh, as well. So how does one boost their self-confidence 
all this self-esteem through conflict? Through conflict. Well, first of all, to me, confidence can be defined quite simply as radical self-acceptance. Like that's really what confidence is from doing things. It doesn't come from learning new skills. It comes from radical self-acceptance and enthusiasm for who you are and where you are in your life. So that's the first thing. And in terms of confidence coming from conflict, you know, I think back to my twenties and I put so much pressure on myself not to fail. And I didn't really realize that my greatest learning opportunities and the things that make me so good at what I do now would come from my perceived failures or my conflicts or my expectation hangovers because I learned to trust myself. I learned how to navigate. I learned that I could fall flat on my face and get up. And the getting up process would teach me way more than succeeding would have taught me. And so I would say, you know, and I see this so much, especially with young women, they put so much pressure on themselves and it's so easy to feel pressure. I mean, just open up Instagram and all you scroll through it for 0.5 seconds and you can feel like you're not doing anything, <laughs> you know, like it, you go, go into a comparison coma straight away. So I think that it's really important to know that anything like projection, like we were talking about with the negative projection, like if yeah. you annoy me, that's something. So, so you spot it, you got it also works the other way. Anyone we admire, anyone we're jealous of, anyone we compare ourselves to, we're seeing something in them that we're not owning and acknowledging inside ourselves. So that's another important thing. Like if you feel inner conflict or you feel jealousy or you feel comparison or you feel like everybody's doing all these things and you're not, well, you spot it, you got it. What are you seeing? What qualities are you seeing in that person that you're not owning or acknowledging inside of you? Um, And The other thing, the final thing I'd say, especially, um, I think the thing that threat that influenced confidence a lot with young people, especially women is having timelines, like thinking I've got to do this by 30, but this by 25, and if I don't have that, then I'm worthless in some way. Ditch the timelines, truly, truly ditch the timelines and deepen your spiritual connection Spend more time investing, really listening to your heart, learning how to connect to your intuition, find spiritual mentors and coaches. You know, one thing that's been so valuable for me in terms of feeling confident in who I am was I found were like, you know, at least 20 years older than me that were my guides and my teachers and my mentors um, and that could really like see me and hold space for me and, and show me who I was before I could really see it for myself. So I think that's another important part of it as well. Oh, I love the way that you actually explain that. It's so true that, you know, especially in women, there's this, this um, lack of self-worth and self-love. I hear that right. all the time. You know, oh, it's so pervasive. Yeah. Well, where do you think that comes from? Because it, it seems to be on the increase in my, in my experience anyway. Well, uh, gosh, I mean, I, I, I honestly think it's from our exposure to everything, social media, everything. Like there's just so many ways that we can compare ourselves to other people. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I do think it comes from that. I also think it comes from, especially the millennial generation, they were parented by parents who kind of overparented them in a lot of ways. And the millennial generation is the first generation who had very affluent parents, generally speaking, this doesn't apply to everybody, but most generations, their parents weren't 
as successful so that it was easy for the kids to be more successful. But now millennials feel this pressure to be as or even more successful than their parents. And that's another thing that impacts the pressure um, and the lack of confidence and all of those kinds of things. Yeah, so true. I've actually um, have done some work with some of the millennials and were blown away by uh, their mindset, you know, very young in their 20s that wanted to be a CEO of a large corporation yeah. and doing a, gradu- uh, a graduate program, which I was blown yeah. away because yeah. I know myself at their age, there's no way I would be thinking like that. Yeah. 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 So the other thing I'd love to know, because I know that you do mindfulness and you practice meditation, how does one remain or maintain inner peace in this fast-paced, demanding world? <laughs> you realize it's all an illusion. Truly, I love Wayne Dyer's quotes, there's really no stress, there's only stressful thoughts. So, um, you know, so much of the fast-paced world is because people are avoiding feeling you know, so how I stay out of it is I see it and I'm like, I see it for what it is. I, I'm like, I'm not going to get seduced by that. Like, I'm not going to buy into that. And there are times when I'm stressed. There are times when I move fast paced and things like that, but I check it and I'm like, Ooh, this doesn't, this doesn't feel so good. I want to slow down a little bit. And I think as we deepen in our spiritual practice, we start to realize what matters you know, no one on their deathbed is like, oh my God, I'm so glad I had 500,000 Instagram followers and like launched that course and like ran this business. They think about love. They think about the people closest to them. They think about the experiences that were priceless. You know, that's, we, we we're on this planet to feel, not do. Mm-hmm. So when we make feeling connected and peaceful and love, and we, we take time to connect with people and ourselves, it naturally slows us down. It, it doesn't, it's not just sitting in meditation. It's how you are in the world. It's how you act with people. You know, like I was pulling to the grocery store and the car in front of me was so slow and I was going to miss the light. And I found myself being like, Ugh! and then I'm like, whoa, it's okay. It's okay. Like, no big deal. And we just have to have that pattern interrupt because it is easy to get in that kind of reactive pattern. And we just have to be aware of it and slow ourselves down. I love the fact that you call it an illusion. I've never heard that before. That's awesome because it is. When you think about it, it's the meaning we give it and how we respond to our environment. Yeah, absolutely. So what would be three ways our viewers could immediately raise their fulfillment level and life balance? Gratitude. Gratitude. <laughs> gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. I mean, the more that you love and accept and are grateful for what is, like it is impossible. Like when you're really feeling gratitude, like really feeling gratitude, it is impossible to feel lack or scarcity or fear or any of those things. So when you're really, really grateful for what you have right now, like 10 fingers, like that's amazing. Not everybody has that, you know, just little things that you're just like, Oh, that's so awesome. Being in a human body, being able to eat chocolate, like whatever it may be, your husband, your kids, your mother, your father, whatever, that kind of gratitude will automatically lead to more fulfillment. So that's number one. The second is, um, authentic connections with other human beings. And that requires vulnerability and intimacy, uh, fulfillment, never comes from external things. It never comes from the job or any losing 10 pounds, or I guess I should say kilos, Australian audience. Yes. Um, it, it comes from really feeling connected to other human beings and not superficial connection, 
but that, that deep level of vulnerability and intimacy of like, I see you, you see me, you see me in my strengths, you see me in my pain, that kind of vulnerability automatically leads to more fulfillment. And then the final thing I'll say is, is any kind of service. And the service can be sharing what you learned with someone. The service can be smiling at a stranger. The service can be starting a massive nonprofit. It, it, it doesn't matter. But some way in which you feel like you're sharing your heart, you're sharing your gifts, not in a depleting way, but in a way that makes you feel alive and in a way that makes you feel like you're contributing to yeah. someone or many people. Oh, I love those. And I practice gratitude on a daily basis. Three things I'm grateful for on a, on a daily basis. And I think the vulnerability piece is huge, isn't it? It's especially in leadership. It seems to be the new movement is to yeah. be vulnerable, to be transparent. Totally. Totally. Mm. And vulnerability doesn't mean we just like, bleh, like emotionally vomit over people in our life. It's just about authentic. It's just about saying, you know, I'm scared about this. You know, like I, I, so I'll give you an example. I was speaking at a massive event, like big, big, big event. And two other women that are leaders in our industry that are two of my best friends as well. We were all speaking and in my mind, they weren't nervous at all. Like in my mind, like they're cool. They got this, like whatever. And I was the only nervous one. And so we were backstage at the rehearsal the day before. And I'm like, um, I'm nervous like, are you guys nervous at all? And they're like, yes, I feel like I want to throw up. I'm like, oh, <laughs> wow, like I'm not the only one. So that's what vulnerability is. It's, it's just being willing to say the things that we think yeah. but are scared to say because we're afraid of how we're, we'll be perceived. So true, absolutely. So Christine, as we wrap it up, we always love to uh, wrap it up with three fun questions. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. What's the first thing that you notice about someone when you meet them? Their smile. Oh, gorgeous. Okay. And if you were a superhero, what would be your superpowers? I, oh, I, I, I used to say I want to fly, but um, I think that my superpower would be like somehow I would give, I'd have the ability to drop people into their heart so they could feel self-love like fully. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that one. And what is one item that you could never live without? Uh, my fiance. <laughs> ah, there you go. Gorgeous. Oh, look, everyone, it's been interesting. These fun questions have been some people like my lipstick, my whatever, that my laptop. Everyone has their own thing. So I love that yours is a human being. Yeah. <laughs> love it. So, Christine, I can't thank you enough for coming on the summit. Um, of course, our viewers will be, will be able to reach out. You'll have your own webpage. Thank oh, you so, so very much for your time and your energy and keep doing what you're doing. You're awesome. Oh, so are you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please click on share show with your friends to help make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to get involved is to click on follow show or leave a review on iTunes so that we can give you a shout out on the show. If you have been a long time listener of the show, you know we are big on delivering content that is valuable for you. Content that will address your pain points. 
So if you have any questions or ideas for a podcast show, please reach out and we will create the content to meet your needs. Yes, you heard right. If you have topics, themes or special guests that you want to hear from, please send us a note to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will create a show especially for you. Wherever you are in the world, sending you love, blessings and peace. Namaste.